You guys doing well? You look great this morning. Last Sunday you looked disgusting, but this morning... You, well, you look good then too, I, I don't understand it. You guys doing okay? Yeah, your mom don't work here, and your mom goes to college, just so you know. Yeah, we're, this week we're in the I Am series, and we're on part five. If you missed uh, the first four weeks, you don't have to be nervous, you don't have to be scared or worried, little ones. Uh, I'm going to recap in just a moment. You'll see here on the uh, second slide, the I Am statements we're looking at from Scripture date back... Uh, about 3,500 years ago, God met with Moses and introduced himself as, with this name, Yahweh, or I am that I am. Because they didn't have English 3,500 years ago and because um, they didn't have it 2,000 years ago when Jesus said these words, in the Old Testament, it's the Hebrew words Yahweh, Yahweh, and in the New Testament, it's these Greek words, ego me, they, they both mean basically the same thing. Jesus said before Abraham was, I am, not just I am, but I am that I am. And uh, this construct, Jesus is actually saying, I, I am, and he's repeating it, not, not just to be redundant, but he's actually make a, making a statement that he is God. That's essentially what he's saying. And that's uh, quite a quite an implication to throw into these sayings because he doesn't just say it the once before Abraham was I am or I am that I am. He actually repeats it seven times. You'll see it here on the next slide. And each time he offers some qualifying statements saying I am that I am the way, the truth, and the life, the resurrection and the life, the light of the world, the door. And today we're going to focus on this fifth I am statement, I am that I am the true vine. So, this should be fun. As I've never preached on this before, except for like an hour ago, uh, the first service. But other than that, I'd never preached on this before. So I've really enjoyed the study uh, for this particular I am saying. Sorry, I have slippage. Um... There. Is that better? Yeah, good. Yeah, so let me just jump right into this uh, from John chapter 15. But before we look at these scriptures, if you need a copy of the Bible, you don't have your own, you can take one home with you. And our stewards, our ushers have a copy of the New Living Translation. You can use that this morning or you can keep it your own copy. Our compliments. But just before we look at these scriptures... Sorry, I'm ruining everything, I think. <laughs> just before we look at this, these scriptures, can we just have a quick word of prayer? Would that be okay? Father, as we look into your word today, it's incredible. These are words that are like thousands of years old. But these words are alive today, and they come alive in our hearts as your Holy Spirit links up with what's happening in our minds as we take it in cognitively. It also hits our emotions. It hits our hearts. It changes us from the inside out. 
So God, as we look at your word and learn about how your son made this claim to be the true vine, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Give us open minds to be transformed by the power of Jesus, by the power of your word, by the power of your Holy Spirit, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. So John 15, fascinating passage. Jesus offers these words. He says, I am the true vine. Again, not just I am, but I am that I am. He's saying he's God who shows himself as the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Well, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes or cleans, so it'll be even more fruitful. You're already clean because of the word I've spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it'll be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Just have a simple outline you'll see here on the next slide. Just want to break down this passage talking about the role of the vine, the relationships of the vine, the rough reality of the vine, the remaining of the vine, and the result of the vine. This morning's message is brought to you by Pirates of the Caribbean and the letter R. I apologize for that. That is... Like, where do you go with that? Like, you got five R's, six if you count the double in point three. I'm just sorry you had to be here for that. <laughs> and consequently, we have, to match the joke, we have a picture of withered death. Thank you very much. I'm here all week to try the veal. <laughs> yeah, so first of all, I want to talk to you about the role of the vine. The role of the vine. Jesus said again, I am the true vine. What a bizarre metaphor. Again, like we don't hear this anywhere else in popular literature. And Jesus is using the role of the vine, I believe, similar to what we talk about scuba diving. He's saying, I'm the tanks. I'm the regulator. He is our source of life. I think that's the point of where he's going, is just talking about truly depending on him for life. You know, we see this in the development of our kids. They start off needing us for everything. Ultimately, our goal is that they would be 
independent, autonomous, adults, great citizens. Hopefully it works out that way. That's, that's the metaphor where we start heavily tied into him, we need him, but then as we move away, there's still a connection, still some kind of dependency. Not the same dependency you had when you were little, but you grow. When I was a teenager, I worked in a funeral home where my goal was to put the fun back in funeral. <laughs> that wasn't our actual advertising slogan. <laughs> it wasn't this exact funeral home, but it was a very similar two-story white building with shutters. My job was to look after the gardens and vehicles. And as I looked after the gardens, they were, like when I first got this job, I took a look at the gardens, I'm like, oh my goodness. How am, I, how am I going to look? These are beautiful gardens. And there was a vine growing up in the garden. Uh, I, I don't know what it was, if it was wisteria or what, it was some kind of perennial, some kind of perennial thing. And this vine, um, it also had other vines growing up around it. Um, they were actually weeds. And in the spring, you know, the the flowering vine that I was supposed to take care of, it, it looked great. Um, but before it came to bloom, the weeds actually looked better. There was this bright, you know, that springtime green. It's not a dark green. It's this effervescent green. And these weeds would kind of wrap their way up and spiral around the vine I thought they looked great. What I didn't know is they were killing the vine. And the guy that I worked for, the guy that I reported to, the one funeral director, he said, Mark, you got a weed problem going on there. I thought he meant, you know, like I... <laughs> so I was in denial about, the, no, dude, I'm cool. He said, no, 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 on the wall, the, growing up the vine there, you got weeds that have mingled in with the vine. And uh, I, I really couldn't tell the difference because the vine hadn't actually blossomed yet. The thing that was wrapping around it, it, it looked great. Bright green, looked really nice. And he kind of explained to me, he said, Mark, uh, as the real vine started to finally sprout new life and leaves and growth, he said, uh, you got to get rid of the weeds here. So he just went down to the bottom of the vine and broke it off. And eventually that vine turned brown and I was able to separate it from the beautiful flowering plant that emerged over the next few weeks. And I didn't, I didn't realize it, but that secondary vine was actually choking out the main vine and bringing death. And here I think is the import of what Jesus is saying. I'm not just a vine. I am the true vine. The fruit bearing, life giving vine. And you need to tie into me. And that's where I was going with these other questions. Like what are you plugged into? What are you plugged in? I mean, there's lots of life-giving things that are associated with family and friends and relationship, but 
But what are you actually plugged into? What is your actual source? I remember as a teenager, there's a couple things that profoundly sustained me. One was a song and the other was a scripture. Both of them pointed to the same source. I can't remember if it was my Sunday school teacher or my youth pastor that challenged me to memorize a verse. There was a chocolate bar involved. So I, I memorized it, and I, I still remember it to this day. It was very helpful for me because the kids that I went to grade 7 and 8 with, by the time we reached grade 9, like I was the only kid on my basketball team who hadn't smoked up, who hadn't smoked, who hadn't been drinking, especially drinking excessively, didn't mess around with girls, And I was able to, I'm not, I'm not saying that as a boastful thing. I'm saying that as a miraculous thing. Because I have the willpower of piece of spam. Like I just, like in my own strength, I don't have what it takes to take a strong stand. But I would quote this scripture all the time. 1 Corinthians 10, 13 says, There's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to every man. God is faithful. He will not suffer you. He will not allow you to be tempted above what you are able, but will with the temptation make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. And I stood on that verse. I would daily repeat that verse to myself in my head or out loud in order to tie into the vine. And there was a song that I used to quote. It's an old song. It was written in 1850 when I was a teenager. (laughs) And some of you would remember the song. But I used to listen to it because there was a Christian artist at the time. This would be early 80s by the name of Benny Hester. I mean, his name is so obscure. I don't even think his mom knows his name. (laughs) But Benny Benny did a, a cover of this tune called The Solid Rock. And I love the old hymn, but, but I love the contemporary version with uh, acoustic guitar. And the words went like this, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ the solid rock I stand, all other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I remember I used to have that song in my head as I'd go off to school and, you know, my friends would ask me, hey, you want to party with us? You want to smoke up with us? You want to, you know, do this, that, the other? I'd be like, yeah, I'm glad to hang out with you guys, but I'm not doing that stuff. That's not what I'm tied into. I mean, I think it's a miracle that I made it through high school A virgin. Some of you are looking at me going, no, dude, that's no miracle at all. That's just natural consequences. (laughs) 
I hear you. Yeah. I'm picking up what you're laying down with that. I'm smelling what you're stepping in. I, uh, but again, I didn't mess around. I didn't do drugs. I didn't drink at all. Actually, by the time I got out of college, or by the time I got out of high school, I had yet to taste alcohol. And then I went to Bible college. <laughs> True story. Um, <clears throat> but for me, the miracle is that I could, again, like I think of you students, the, the face, the stuff you guys have to face. Can I tell you, it's not just an issue of getting by. If you are tied into the vine, you guys can prosper in the campus setting. Not just getting by, not just holding the fort, not just barely making it. I mean, you can be victorious. You can prosper in your environment. You can actually change the atmosphere of your school if you remain tied into the vine. And that's the invitation of Jesus here is to tie into the vine. So it's not only the role of the vine. Secondly, let me be quick with this one, the relationships of the vine. Jesus said, I am that I am the true vine. My father is the gardener. Hmm. Interesting. He could have been so many things. He could have been the soil. He could have been the sunlight. He could have been the water. But he's the gardener. He goes on to say in verse 5, I am that I am the vine, and you're the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. And, and this is what the relationship is about as we're dependent on him, as we're tied into him, it leads to this, you'll bear much fruit. And he uses the contrast in this last phrase, look at this, apart from me, you can do nothing. I mean, you can do some stuff, but, but really, if you're on your own, you got nothing. Strong words from our Lord. Let me go on to the next one here. The rough reality of the vine, verse 2 he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. So, so I want you to see, first of all, there's this inclusivity. Every branch that's in me, he, if it bears no fruit, he cuts it off. But there's still this in me, those two words there in the first phrase. He cuts off every branch in me. There's nothing that alienates us. But if we make a willful choice to kind of do things on our own, there comes a cutting off. Well, every branch that does bear fruit, check this out, he prunes it or cleans it. Same word, different interpretations. So that it will be even more fruitful. I mean, that's what he's looking for at the end of the day, is productivity. Verse 6, he says, if you don't remain in me, you're like a branch that's thrown away, withers, such branches, branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. That is a rough reality. I mean, that's, that's kind of a harsh assessment. He's saying if you're perpetually choosing to do your own thing, eventually you're independent, you're going to wither up and die. I, I think the problematic thing is we might not know when we're dying. We're just living independently, doing our own thing. And there are these strong words from Jesus, and they're echoed when he says, you know what, on that day, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we 
cast out demons? And he'll say, you know what? I'm sorry to say this, but I don't know you. So this is what I want you to see. It's not just about the productivity. Because you can have great productivity and still be detached from God. The gifts and the callings of God are there for you even if your mind doesn't turn towards him. The gifts and the callings are without repentance. That's what that means. So you can have all these gifts from God, all these abilities, even to prophesy. Again, in 1 Corinthians 13, it talks about this. You know, people that can prophesy, they can do all these great things, they have the faith to move mountains, but the love is gone. I mean, these are sobering words. Because the truth is, you can have your theology down, you can be a good Christian guy, good Christian lady, really involved in doing God stuff, helping out at church, helping out with your small group, doing great things, social justice, you know, making a difference in your world, but lose the connection. Again, this isn't just about looking pretty. You see the bottom line here, pruning, is it about presentation or productivity? Jesus doesn't prune us so we'll look good. But he doesn't just want the productivity either. It's about genuine connection with God. And that's all Jesus is calling us here to. He's, he's just kind of offering this stark contrast. Listen, if you're on your own, you're going to pull away from the vine be a branch doing your own thing. It might look good, might look pretty, but at the end of the day, you're drying up and you're dying. Jesus is calling us away from going through the motions and just doing the right thing and saying, hey, bottom line, I'm the vine. You're the branches. Tie into me. What a huge and beautiful invitation from our Lord that's the rough reality. Let's look fourthly at the remaining of the vine. I, I won't read this whole uh, verse 4 to 7. I'm not going to read the whole thing for you. Suffice to say the word remain is there on the screen for you eight times in four verses. I think it's pretty clear where Jesus is going with this whole remaining picture. In older versions of the Bible and its translation starting in the early 1600s with the King James Version, uh, there's this kind of archaic word, abide. Abide. Not a word we use every day. Translated now to remain. The word abide or remain for me has special significance. Uh, my grandfather, when he was alive, godliest man I ever knew, George B. Griffin. He was a church planter, a Bible college professor for decades, pastor in his later years as well. He got sick in a bad way in 1987 with prostate cancer. 
We thought we might lose him in the uh, winter months of 1988, but I asked him if he'd stick around and do communion at my wedding in May of 88, so you know these older folks are as stubborn as anything. He just wouldn't give up the ghost before he was involved at our wedding. It was beautiful. I'll never forget my grandfather ministering communion to my wife and I as we knelt on the rail in front of him at the front of the church. It was his last public act of ministry within a week or so. He was hospitalized for the duration of his life. And Grandpa was a machine. Like, even as he's laying in his hospital bed dying, he's preaching. Like, I remember the elevator doors opening in the hospital and hearing, is that Grandpa yelling? What's he saying? Behold the Lamb of God who taketh away the sin of the world. Are you kidding me? Who does that? Who preaches from their deathbed? Grandpa. We actually led a number of people to an intimate knowledge of Jesus from his deathbed. He's just that kind of guy. He's probably wearing a tie while he did it too, now that I think of it. Oxygen mask, tie, done up nice and tight. I remember the last time I saw him visiting the Coburg Hospital, right after my honeymoon. My wife and I went to Coburg, Ontario. And as I walked into the room, and he kind of put his sermon on pause for a few minutes, he said, Mark, come close to me. And I thought, okay, here we go. I knew something was up. He, he grabbed my hand, and even though he was emaciated, like he was down to maybe 92 pounds. He was a big man his whole life, like he was my size. He took my hand and squeezed it so hard, I honestly thought he might break bones in my hand. I knew he was about to impart something to me. And he kind of stirred himself and he spoke in a strong, clear voice, even though he was terribly weakened by the cancer. As he pulled me in, he said these words, and I thought, this is going to be good. The legendary George Griffin, Bible school teacher, church planter, great man of God, traveled all across our country teaching and preaching, planted many churches. They're all still going to this day. I leaned in as he grabbed my hand so tightly. He said, Mark, abide in him. And he kind of leaned back in his bed, and that's all I got. Seriously? Legendary preacher, that's all you got for me? Abide in him? He must have seen this incredulous look on my face. So <clears throat> he said, yeah, Mark, abide in him. Remain in him. Mark, you might not be able to pray 24 hours a day, seven days a week, but tie into him. You might be in a meeting. You might be at work. You might be engaged with your family years down the road, Mark. Just take those moments throughout the day and plug into him. Remain plugged into him every minute of the day, even if you're not praying. Remain in him. 
The lights came on a little bit for me, but it really took a full decade for this one to sink in. What it actually means to remain in him. I mean, I can get up in the morning, have, have a prayer time, look at the word, do the same the end of the day, but in between there's lots of moments where I'm frustrated or I'm angry or I'm mean-spirited or grouchy. Is it just me? I'm feeling really lonely right now. <laughs> And it's in those moments I've learned I have to step out of just all the circumstantial stuff around me and step into a place where my heart reconnects with God, where I remain in him. Again, I may not have time or opportunity to, to break into prayer for 10 or 20 minutes to settle my heart, but I have this assurance of what he's already declared. I am that I am the vine. And you are the branches. And this invitation to just remain, just relax, just tie in. E even though I may not be able to go into the full discourse of prayer, I know in my heart who I am. I am a branch who depends on him for the lifeblood that flows through me, for his presence that captures my heart even though I'm busy, even though I'm occupied, he has captured something in me that will never be released. He's grabbed onto my heart. I'm not going to act independently. I will allow his presence, his, his spirit to remain in me. I don't have to spend the whole day independent of him doing my own thing. There have been times where I've set reminders on my smartphone that, that might go off at a break time, but more often they go off right in the middle of an appointment or a meeting, and my phone reminds me, remain in him. Again, if you're feeling like God is a million miles away, I'd encourage you to set a reminder on your smartphone like every 10 minutes if you have to. Just to remind you, even if you can't take an extended time in prayer, just just to think about him. Just to lean into him in the middle of the day. Remember John, the beloved disciple? They're at the Last Supper. Where's John? He's reclining into Jesus. Where's his head? On the chest of Jesus. John's not engaged in the discourse. There's no prayer going on. But his ear can hear the heartbeat of Jesus. Isn't it interesting that John, the beloved, was also John the Revelator who saw these incredible visions recorded in the book of Revelation. I'll tell you, if you'll just lean in, if you'll just listen, there are great and unsearchable things that we do not already know. He promised when the Holy Spirit came, he would show us things that are to come. There's something so powerful about this correlation between remaining in him and hearing God 
hearing his sweet direction, hearing the inspiration of Holy Spirit in those moments at work when you don't know what to do, you don't know how to respond positively, but if you're tied into him, you don't need to take another 10 minutes of prayer. You don't need to fast the rest of the day. There's this instantaneous connection because I'm remaining in him. Again, you don't have to feel guilty all day. Oh, I didn't pray enough. Nobody prays enough. I talk to these people that are great prayer warriors that pray seriously like four or five, six hours a day. You know what they're saying? Oh, I don't pray enough. <laughs> the point is not necessarily just praying. It's good to take those concerted times every day or at least several times a week. But the beauty of this, it's this invitation. He's saying, just tie into me. I'm with you. Again, he promised he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. He is Emmanuel. God is with us. In the Old Testament, he's Jehovah Shammah, meaning God who is there. It's just an issue of saying, hey, I know you're the friend that sticks closer than a brother. I'm just going to be a little more conscious of that. I'm just going to be a little more aware of who I am in him. That's our invitation this morning. Is to abide, to remain in the vine. What a beautiful invitation. Lastly, the result of the vine. He said, this is to my father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Showing yourselves to be my disciples. Again, that's how you prove that you are a committed, disciplined follower of Jesus Christ. You bear fruit. Again, to go back to the metaphor, if you take a branch and break it off, you're not really looking for that branch a few months later to be yielding peaches. It's dead. It's disconnected. It's not physically possible to break away from the rest of the tree and bear fruit. But if you are actually tied into him, you are bearing fruit. I love the contrast of Galatians chapter 5. Paul wrote this church in Galatia. And, and what he said to them is, hey, guys, if you're living on your own, the fruit or the byproduct of just living on your own independently, the fruits of the flesh, they're obvious, like anger, dissension, discord, you know, it's just all that negativity, all those negative emotions. And then he contrasts it with the fruit or the byproduct of people that are tied into the vine, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, mercy. These things naturally just radiate out of us if we're tying in all day. So if you're heading down the Deerfoot at rush hour or heading up McLeod Trail at rush hour, you know how easy it is to let those fruits, those byproducts of fleshiness, of just human response. Like I understand in this province that many of you learn to drive at the age of 14. You can actually learn stuff after the age of 14. Just for example. Just for example. The left lane is actually for turning left 
are going faster. But I've noticed here in Alberta, there's this tendency, hey, I'm turning left in 37 kilometers. I'm getting over in the left lane, and I'm going to start decelerating now just to be safe. <laughs> like for those of us that want to go, I don't know, 81 or 82 kilometers an hour in the left lane, would it be too much of a bother to keep right? And again, maybe it's just me. But as I'm heading up McLeod Trail, and some gift from God <laughs> decides that 68, 71, those are good speeds for the left lane. Something in me just wants to declare, get thee behind me, Satan. <laughs> Not always in that voice. But, but time out here. Here's where I'm going. If as I'm driving... If I'm not on my hands-free device. Maybe, just maybe. I can put on some worship music. Or maybe I can just take a few minutes to focus my thoughts. And remain in Him. If I can remember my Creator... If I can come over that hill in Millrise and look off to the west and see his glorious creation and think about him and invite him just in the instant of that moment, thank you, Father, that you're leading my life. Thank you, Jesus, that you're with me. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're giving me strength and creative thoughts and ways to make my world a better place. It's hard when that gift from God remains in the left lane. <laughs> like it's hard to just keep swinging back and forth. If I remain in him, there's something that settles. There's a peace that comes on me. I'm not just talking for superficial day-to-day events. I'm saying even if something goes terribly wrong, even if I get hit square in the face with horrific news, hmm, I can remain in him. There's this peace that goes beyond anything I understand if I remain in him. I'm not saying I've perfected this. I'm saying I hear the invitation of our Lord to live a fruitful life, to bear fruit. The last city I pastored in, Grimsby, Ontario, we actually lived in the town right next door to it, Winona, Ontario. Actually, it used to be called Ontario, Ontario. But then when they decided to call Upper Canada, Ontario, they went with a different name, Winona. Winona is the peach capital of Canada. So all around our house were vineyards. Like, you didn't have to drive more, more than a kilometer and you'd be right in the middle of a peach um, orchard, I think they call them. There are peaches everywhere. They had Canada's largest peach festival every year in Winona. 
And even then, you would park in the parking lot, watch, walk past all kinds of peach trees to get to the peach festival. So I'm very familiar with peach trees. And let me just say this. This is my profound observation after living over a decade in a peach-infested region. I have never once, not even one time, heard a peach tree grunt. True story. Like, if they're just getting sunshine and rain, getting pruned once a year, because they get pruned every year, they don't have to do anything but exist. And these beautiful, juicy peaches, huge, like the size of a basketball, well, a little smaller, maybe a golf ball on steroids, these beautiful peaches. Like the tree doesn't have to do anything. It's not like, oh, there's a peach. There you go. Well, that was dangerously close to having an accident. I just want to be honest with you. Turned 50 a couple weeks ago. I got to be careful. Yeah, the, you don't have to try. You don't have to grunt. You don't have to strain or groan. These, these peach trees, they just naturally produce beautiful peaches. And this is what Jesus is saying. To my, this is to my Father's glory. That you bear much fruit. Like it's just, it's just coming out of you. And you're proven that you're my followers. If you remain in me. Again, this is the byproduct of remaining. The result is you're fruitful. Their life is filled with his fruits, love, joy, peace. There's this patience. There's this kindness. There's this meekness. There's this mercy. Again, you may have to be very intentional to remove some of those things that are perpetuating negative, negative emotion in your life. But, but when you deal with these things, again, that's why we have sozo ministry at this church. You don't have to just pretend like everything's okay. You can actually deal with your pain, the things that cause you to be frustrated and angry, no matter what's going on circumstantially. If you find there's this recurring theme in your life of negative emotions, we can actually deal with these. Get those barriers out of the way. Get, get the rocks out of the soil. And you can be fruitful, not just sporadically, but you can perpetually remain in Jesus and just be filled with his love, with his kindness, with his good. Like you don't even have to fake it anymore. You can actually be genuinely, authentically loving, happy, peaceful. Like those things can naturally be a byproduct of who you are. It's a beautiful result. A beautiful result if you're perpetually tied into him. Just want to end with these questions just for you to reflect on for a minute. Am I remaining? Like, am I tying into Jesus several times a day? And what does it look like with a measure of intentionality to be fruitful? Am I changing the atmosphere, my sphere of influence by sharing kindness, by helping, by encouraging, by being peaceful and loving. What can I do in the next few days 
to make my world a better place. My 10-year-old son was here in the first service. I drive him to school almost every morning. And as we pray for the day, like clockwork, we always pray protection over the family, peace over the whole family. We call them by name. And pray a couple other things. One of the last things we pray every morning is, Lord Jesus, help me make my world a better place. Help us, Lord, to be nice to others today, even to people who are mean or angry. Help us to change our world in Jesus' name. How are you doing with that? Are you remaining in him? Is the natural fruit, is the natural byproduct of that happening in your life? Hmm. As we close our service today, I'd, I'd like us to end with uh, a service of communion. I'll invite the communion stewards to come and uh, the worship team as, as well. But just as they're coming... And just as they're beginning to distribute um, the juice and the bread, I just want to encourage you. If you're visiting here with us and you know Jesus, you're a committed follower of his, it doesn't matter what denomination you're from, you're welcome to grab a piece of bread, grab your own little individual cup. The bread symbolizing the body of our Lord and the juice symbolizing his blood. We're remembering his death, how his body was beaten and how his life blood was spilled out as he gave his life. And again, if you're visiting here today and you're already a follower of Jesus, please join in with us. This is a, traditionally a celebration that happens in the Christian community. If, if you're just exploring this morning... I'd encourage you to wait until you have a deeper understanding of Christianity before you participate in this particular ceremony. But again, if you know Jesus, it doesn't matter what your church background is, you're welcome to join us for this. As they're handing out the emblems, I'm just going to let the worship team lead us and they'll come back in a moment. Just hold on to your emblems before you eat them or drink them. So the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 11, he was writing a letter to the church in Corinth. He was reflecting with them on personal revelation the Lord had given him. Paul had yet to become a follower of Christ before Christ left the planet. But Paul said to the church in Corinth, you know what, I saw some of this. And what I received from the Lord, I'm going to pass this on to you as well. That the Lord Jesus, the night he was betrayed, he, he took the bread and he broke it and he gave thanks for it. And he said to his followers, this is my body, broken, broken for you. 
He said, when you eat this bread, remember me. As we eat this bread together in a minute, I'm going to ask you to think about him. Not just in this moment, but, but a fresh commitment to say, I, I remember you, Lord. I don't forget the price that you paid. I don't forget about how your body was beaten and mangled by angry soldiers, people that pummeled you with their fists and spit on you and pressed a crown of thorns into your head and mocked you. I plug into you. I remain in you. I abide in you in that moment when you had this overwhelming peace, enough that you could say, as they mocked you on the cross, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I receive that, that kind of inner strength, that kind of healthy thinking. I receive that in me. I welcome that in me. I remain in you, Lord Jesus, as we eat this bread together. In Jesus' name. The Apostle Paul said after supper they took the cup. After he'd given thanks. He said, you know what, this cup right here, this represents a brand new deal. A new deal, a new contract. Because contracts, essentially folks, they're, they're binding until death. And when Jesus held up the cup of wine, symbolizing his blood, he said, drink this cup in remembrance of me. It represents a whole new deal, a whole new contract. The old way is gone and dead. There's something new in my death and resurrection because death isn't going to hold me down. He told them many times, I'm coming back three days later, guys. As you eat this bread and drink this cup, you remember me. He said, you, you proclaim. It's like an outward sign. It's like a proclamation of my death. I come back. Until I come back, remember me. Remember that he wasn't just beaten in his body. He paid the ultimate price. He died. Without pouring out all your blood, you, you can't overcome sin, the Old Testament prophet said. Jesus gave his blood, he gave his life so that we can live a new way, a free way, a wonderfully victorious way. It's a new contract, it's a new deal, it's a new day because of his death. Let's drink the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. He said, whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you, you show forth, you proclaim my death until I come back. And we proclaim this new and living way today over every one of you. Listen, if you're here today and you're feeling kind of disconnected from God, 
can I just remind you, you're, you're still in. Like if you've offered your life to Jesus, if you've said you're a committed follower of his, and, and even though you may feel like you're a million miles away from God, he remains in you. It doesn't matter how you feel today. You may have missed your devotions this week or this month or this year. You haven't spent time in the word or time in prayer. I remind you today, you are still in him. You are the beloved people of God. You are his chosen people. He loves you with an uncomprehendable love. I invite you to stand to your feet today as I make declaration over you as we close. I remind you today that you are purchased with the blood of Jesus Christ. He has bought you back. You are God's people. You remain in him and he remains in you. I just declare over you today, this is a wonderful day to be alive and following Jesus Christ. If you're not in that journey yet, if you're just still exploring, still checking God out, still kind of figuring the whole Christianity and God thing out, I just want to encourage you today that God has a wonderful plan for your life. He has plans to prosper you, not to harm you. He has plans to give you a hope and a future. I encourage you, whether you've yet given your life to Jesus or you gave your life to him years ago, I encourage you today to remain in him. He is the vine. We are his branches. We are his people. We are his sheep, the flock under his care. Know today that God is good and his mercy endures forever. There remains for all of us a wide open door to remain in him, to remain connected to him. And so I bless you today with that sweet divine connection through our Lord Jesus Christ. I say that his blood covers over you to protect you, to watch over you, to prosper you, body, soul, mind, and spirit. I speak peace and joy and his righteousness into you today. That as you abide in him, the life-giving presence of God would radiate from you in everything that you do. May you be covered with his peace, his hope, and his blessing. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Thanks for being here today. If you want prayer, Ministry team people will be over here delighted to pray with you and encourage you. If not, God bless you. Thanks for being here today. Go in peace and remain in the vine. Bless you. Have a great week.